0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: The Trek Files, Season 5, Episode 19, The Gamesters of Pentathlon, First Draft, August 1st, 1967. Welcome to The Trek
0: Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene
2: Roddenberry. And now, your host, Dr. Czech Larry Nemacek.
0: Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. All you background fans. Hey, yes. <laughs> All you canonistas. I say that lovingly because I go with the more benign and the more uh, expensive view definition of canonista. Anybody who enjoys keeping the Star Trek universe together and whole and intact and also realizing that it evolves. Someone asked me recently what I mean by canonistas. Uh, in the optimum way, and that's what I mean. But most of all, hello once again, Trekophiles. We've got a really interesting show today. Uh, we're going to dive into original series time uh, and a guest star that's no longer with us but is about to have her story, well, is having her story uh, told anew. So listen, take a sample from our Star Trek file here again, and of course you can always catch it on our Facebook page, The Trek Files, facebook.com slash The Trek Files, Take a listen here, and I'll be right back with this week's special guest.
1: Five humanoids materialize at strategic points on the tops of the boulders on either side of the party. They are scantily clad in gleaming harness and are armed with oval-bladed swords. Each has a device similar to a cattle brand stamped in the center of the forehead. All their magnificent physical specimens, whom we shall come to know respectively, as Lars, a gigantic Viking, Klong, a lumbering Neanderthal, Taki, a squat, furry, greenish female, Rourke, a gleaming Nubian, Shana, a tall, beautiful Amazon. Well, all right, Um, you
0: can get a hint from that, that we're going to be talking about the lovely and talented guest star, who passed away some years ago, Angelique Pettyjohn. Uh, Some of you that have been around fandom a long time may have had a chance to see her at a convention. She did bridge into the era of conventions and convention going, got to meet a lot of her fans years later. But our guest today is someone that knew Angelique personally. He comes from an academic background. He's written several books and actually knew Angelique for about 10 years before her, you know, untimely death. Uh, I'd like to welcome to The Trek Files um, John Flynn, who's got a new book out about Angelique. So John, welcome to The Truck Files, and and tell us just a, a, a bit about yourself. Tell me about your background.
2: Larry, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I was an academic for 32 years before I retired last year, so I'm 65 now. <laughs> But um, I uh, enjoyed writing during this whole time. And I was one of those few academics that actually wrote sci-fi uh, and uh, mysteries. And, you know, most uh-huh. academics just write academic now, stuff.
0: Don't be, don't be uh, shy and humble here. You were a department chair at...
2: I was actually a uh, dean and associate dean,
0: dean? Okay. for uh, 32 years with the University of Maryland System. All right. <laughs> Just so we know where we're coming from here. So, so you've written this book, and the book is called "The Star Trek Siren Who Dared Love Elvis and Other Stuff." <laughs> <us. laughs> okay. Well, it's kind of a big scope, and as many people can say that we touch on here. Uh, They had a big life beyond Star Trek. But we're going to say that Dorothy Lee Perrins um, is the subject of our book. So tell – how did you come into her life? And um, let's – you know, it's great that she shared enough about, you know, fleshing out her time with uh, the games of Tyscalian. And if you've caught our document this week, folks, you'll see that the early title of it from Margaret Armand's story was The Games of Pentathlon, which is typical in a Star Trek development, uh, you know, saga – but how did you, uh, we, we obviously don't have Dorothy or Angelique around to talk with, and I'm glad you're here, John, to to tell her story for her now. But tell us what you know about um, in your interactions with her. She shared a lot about that, that one episode. I guess it was, it was important to her, right? A big part of her life? It, it was. Uh, in fact, uh, after she made the episode, she felt like
2: Star Trek was her family. And uh, that's uh, so very sweet of her to have said that. I, I met uh, Angelique in 1982 at a Star Trek convention. And yes, academics do go to Star Trek conventions. And uh, <laughs> I know several in that club, so you're not alone, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually went to my very first one in 1972 to the very famous uh, first Star Trek convention. Uh, All right. And, and so uh, when I uh, went to this, it was one of the creation conventions in Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. I ran into Angelique there. And I... The, the 19, been in in
0: 1982, her. in 1982. 1982,
2: correct, yes. yeah. And I had always been in love with her. And uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> my tongue got all tied up the first time I met her. But uh, as we got to talking and she needed help at her dealer's table, I helped her with that. And um, over the course of 10 years, as you mentioned, we became very, very close friends. Uh, we talked nearly every day. Uh, sometimes it was just, oh. how was your day, kind of conversation, but, uh, I became her, uh, closest confidant and friend.
0: Wow. All right. Well, so in that guy, so let's back to the gamesters. We've shared a document that shows the first draft, K- but she shared a lot of her memory of how she even came there.
2: Well, I, I'll be happy to uh, tell you. Um, yes, please share husband, it. Yeah. Her, her husband, uh, at the time, his last name was Petty John and that's where she got her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, at, uh, agreed to work as her manager and he knew somebody at uh, Desi Lu uh one of the script girls there he got a copy of the script brought it home and shared it with uh Angelique saying he thought it would be an ideal part for her to re- uh, to read for and perhaps do and she <laughs> she read uh, uh through the script and she said she laughed out loud the first time uh she came to the scene where she was jumping out or leaping out at uh Shatner and pinning him to the ground and and she says you know uh i'm only five foot five you know how could that poss- possibly do you know they had her pictured as uh an amazon in the script <laughs> and so uh she thought the she thought the part was all wrong for her and uh i'll tell you when she went in to read um, uh with Gene Roddenberry and Jean Kuhn and, and uh, John McLucas were, uh, John M. Lucas were both uh-huh. there at the meeting. Um, she said, the first thing she said was, I, I don't think this part is all right for me. She said, it's, you know, I can do the green hair, I've got green eyes, but I'm hardly an Amazon. I'm, I'm you know, a little bit taller in heels. And of course, the funny part about it is, um, Jean Kuhn came back and he said, uh, the quoting, look honey, next to Shatner, you're going to look like an Amazon. <laughs> 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 so, you know, he convinced That's... her to go ahead and read the script. And, uh, you know, Penny John had seen the show and she thought, uh, William Shatner was this huge guy, you know, this really tall guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was, um, and, uh, the and magic so, of Hollywood um, strikes again. Yes, yes, indeed. Indeed. So she did a cold reading for them and, uh, everybody liked it. Uh, uh they brought in Fred Phillips to do a test uh with her green
0: wig. Mm-hmm. How amazing, a green wig.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> well, it was um, Star Trek. He, brought... he had a
0: couple in the closet, I'm sure, already.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he did. And Roddenberry said, Look, you're hired. I want you to go to a wardrobe and get fitted out and you know, the rest is sort of history. But I, I just can't imagine that Star Trek episode with anybody else but oh. Angelique.
0: Oh yes. Now let me, let me just back up a minute though. So she sure. we were mentioning her her husband Otto. Yeah. Uh her agent. Now this is one of those situations. Now she we all know uh, Angelique Well remember Shauna. She was like gorgeous, wonderful figure. Was she a model? Was she a dancer? What would it, and she he was kind of acting as her agent. It's one of those uh um yeah. i to say may yeah. summer things, but he was a lot older than her. But they were together yeah, for a long time yeah yeah
2: 22 years older
0: than she was uh, when she
2: when she was 17 uh, she graduated from high school early she Mm -hmm. went to las vegas to work as a dancer or showgirl in Mm -hmm. las vegas and uh, she was one of the hits there because she was so gorgeous she had these long beautiful legs as you as we all know and uh she worked in a number of great shows in vegas and her husband to be was a high roller in Vegas. They met, and you know even though there was a difference in age, she you know asked her to marry him and move to l a and of course that 's exactly what she wanted to do. She wanted to break into the film industry so
0: well, where did where did uh, now I think you told me earlier that uh, she actually had a connection to Star Trek before I mean how did she get her audition? Was it this meeting with some of her work she did earlier prior you, to Star Trek? You,
2: you know, do you know larry that's a great question um well i think she was working as uh as an extra uh uh on, on many of those films like hotel and uh, where were you when the lights went out and she was doing a, a particular movie with gene kelly it was called A guide for the married man and wow. um she didn't have a huge role she was the girl on wilshire boulevard so oh. it, it was a walk-on okay. essentially and um when she was having lunch at the fox commissary major barrett approached her and asked her if they could have lunch together and she kind of had an idea who Mary jill barrett was she was uh, also in a guide to the married man and um major said look i i uh uh and friends with um the producer of a, a new series on tv called star trek and uh she says I, I think you would be just right for one of the parts we're developing for the second season and uh so you know that was sort of you know the the intro for her into the star trek universe now understand mm-hmm. you know star trek wasn't the only tv series she did she did batman the green Hornet. Uh, she was even Charlie Watkins on um, Get Smart. So she had been doing a lot of those shows.
0: <laughs> right, the Master remember? Disguise agent, right? Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you're that's a great women impersonation you're doing. Yes, exactly, yes. Female impersonator. Exactly. Yeah. Undercover. So so, so she wasn't an, she wasn't a wide-eyed innocent. She's just a wide-eyed innocent. Uh, she plays one on TV in this episode. But no, she'd been yeah. around there. And and uh, and Otto had been helping her get real, but she'd been networking, as they say, and exactly. getting out there. But it's yeah. so, um, I guess, so this connection with Major helped get her in the door, or at least get her on their radar then, it sounds like.
2: Sure, exactly. And in fact, um, I, I will tell you, she played a lot of dumb blondes in her career. Mm-hmm. But she was far well, from being a dumb blonde. She was a very, very smart woman. And the fact of the matter is, most uh, people, when they saw her, said, oh, you know, look at this, uh, 38 C, bust measurements, long dancers' legs, pretty face, beautiful hair. Uh, she, she's got to be the blonde bimbo in our movie. Right. And so right. that's what they kept hiring her for. Mm. And it's too bad because she had a lot of skills. Uh, when she worked with Otto Preminger, uh, with, and that was with Liza Minnelli, uh she just showed that she had real chops when it came to acting.
0: Well, speaking of real chops, she does a wonderful—I mean, your first glance in this episode, you're thinking, oh, here's the tall, blonde bimbo. And she holds her own with everybody in the show. She's tall. <laughs> she seems to be—I'm sure it's just that wig. She seems to be as tall as Shatner. So does she, yeah. did she, in your time together and, and talking back and forth—and um, and you've done a book— what did yeah. she, What did she? without giving it all away, what did she remember about shooting the show? I mean, does she have a Shatner story besides height? She actually has <laughs> a, a
2: wonderful Shatner story. You know, if I'm allowed to tell it, I'd be happy to. Well, um, yes, you know, yes.
1: When,
2: when they were uh, doing uh, the prep work on uh, this episode, she was fairly stiff in the scenes that required a little romance and y- mm. you know our favorite captain kirk he's gonna have a girl in every episode <laughs> and so shatner was pouring on uh the uh, the the romance and uh she she just would stiffen up and you know the funny thing is it's not like she hadn't done plenty of movies up to that point she had done some exploitation mm-hmm. films where she bared it all mm. but um she was stiff in the pinches with shatner and so one day uh they had been having trouble shooting uh, those scenes, and after lunch, Shatner invited her to uh, his uh, uh, office, his room, whatever you would call it. Yeah, his, and yeah. Uh, and uh, said, you know, let's talk about the scene. And so he plied her with some brandy. I guess it was Saurian brandy. <laughs> uh, and three after three, <laughs> three glasses of brandy, she loosened up enough that he gave her a kiss, sort of surprisingly. And she responded by wrapping both arms around him and kissing him back. And from that point on, it was um, no holds barred. Uh They did uh, a make scene that would probably embarrass most teenagers. Uh, and uh, from that point on, she was not at all stiff on uh, on, <laughs> on screen. Maybe Maybe Shatner was a little stiff, but she certainly wasn't.
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, the evolution of the character, anyway, is stiffness, you know, serves her. But then, of course, it's the great turn. It's the great, you know, Shatner saves the day. Kirk saves the day. And she didn't have to get there at the end. Of course, it's kind of her. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't do a meltdown like some of the, you know, so, uh, <laughs> Rain of the Android later or something, but, uh, exactly. Uh, she had, did have to get there. Well, so in, in all the years in between, you know, since, did, what did she share? Anything else? I guess this is a, is this a highlight of her career? Uh, that she, well, are, you, know, she you know,
2: she felt like this was, uh, a sort of a family. She and, uh, uh, Nichelle got on very, uh, good. In fact, they went out mm-hmm. for a couple of drinks and dinners, and, uh, she enjoyed meeting all of the different casts. In fact, she met Nimoy first, uh, because on her first day, she wasn't actually shooting that, uh, day, but the first day mm-hmm. of shooting, she was, uh, supposed to report to Fred Phillips and then to the wardrobe people. And then, of course, she had to get, uh, uh approval for her silver bikini and go-go boots um, from Jean Nelson, who was directing the episode. Indeed, it was a highlight. Uh, she felt like, uh, the Star Trek people that she had met were family. And in fact, um, uh, on the Friday night, um, uh, of shooting, they, uh, a producer came in and, and gave them the news that Star Trek had been canceled again. And, uh, mm. she was sad. She was sad for the rest of the cast, even though she was going to go on and, and have other opportunities a lot of these people this was the end of the road for them and so you know she went to the cast party that was traditional on friday night but it was a rather somber uh, kind of thing and uh, you know she she was sad for them i, I will tell you that uh, everyone accepted her on the set and um um you know gene nelson uh, brought her in on the first day of shooting mm-hmm. and introduced her around to everyone and of course you know, had to show her off in her silver bikini and go-go boots. And you know, even though people yeah. think that's a preposterous costume, it's it's uh, so her. Uh, you know, having known her for so many years. Uh, and and Gene often... Nelson
0: was the director who had been a dance uh, musical director that they especially liked for this show with all the choreography. Had she done? Oh Did goodness. she know Gene yeah. ahead of time before this in any way or? Uh, not at that uh,
2: not at that point in time. But she loved the fact that. He had come from that particular background uh, because there was, in fact, a lot of choreography uh, with all of the different fight mm-hmm. scenes. And she had that uh, background as a ballet dancer, as a showgirl in Vegas. And so she certainly knew her steps well.
0: Did she happen to mention how she was with the fight choreography, with the I, like, melding right in this uh, dance choreography? or
2: Exactly. Uh, she worked with uh, uh, Crockett, uh, Dick Crockett
0: who uh, actually right.
2: plays the Andorian in the episode. He was the stunt coordinator. And uh, he basically walked her through it much like um, um, a, a choreographer would have with a, a stage presentation in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which is, of course, you know, the background that she's coming from. Years later, what's so interesting is years later, when she was doing the Star Trek convention, she would, um, uh, when she was asked to go on stage and do a Q&A, she would go on first and do those same steps from the episode hmm. uh, with the background music playing, and the fans went crazy for that. So, uh, you well, know, imagine, to.
0: yeah, imagine 15, 20 years later,
2: she's at the convention. So,
0: oh. Well, listen, I, I feel like we barely scratched the surface with her with uh, what she's shared with you. Obvi- Gosh, John, you should write a book. Oh, wait, you have. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, uh, it, uh, I don't know when we can have you back on next, but when we can, can you share? Uh, I'd love to have you share a little more with Angelique, even when it's just because she's gone now. We've So many fans have not had a chance to know her. So it's great that you're there and fulfilling that role. And maybe we can talk a little more about Angelique and, and maybe even... I hear tell there are there are parts of angelique's life that um that are uh well this whole thing with elvis yeah (laughs) and elvis's son and the fact that that even brings us full circle elvis back to star trek too so we're out of time here could you come back and share some more with us I would love to, Larry. Thank you so much. That is awesome, John. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for reaching out and letting us know and uh, and sharing this. And the name of the book was If People Wanna Cheat and, and Get It Ahead of Time. <laughs> sure.
2: The Star Trek Siren Who Dared, Love
0: Elvis and Other Stuff. All right. All right. Thanks so much, John. We'll 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 pick it up later. Sounds um, good, yeah, thank you. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry all of our documents and your chance to comment of course are available as always at facebook.com slash the trek files now for more great podcasts check out podcast.roddenberry.com and for more deep diving of star trek behind the scenes visit dr trek in portal 47 that's me <laughs> at larry truck well everybody